Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is episode 58 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, hello everyone. I am your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I hope you don't mind that we didn't do the French theme song uh, for this episode, because to be honest, I'm in charge of all that kind of stuff. You are. And I I just had it with France. I've had it with French language. I've had it, I just had it in general with France. That's okay. So uh, I'm I'm happy to get back to the, the real version of the Skyboat song. So... I'm happy with that. So, um, I'm happy that we are actually able to do this listener feedback episode. This, of (laughs) course, is in regards to the episode Faith, and we are recording it late. We're actually recording it after uh, watching The Fox's Lair and recording that episode. Uh, My family was very, very sick Mm -hmm. uh, the weeks in between, so we had to take care of everyone. But you know what? I feel like today we were meant to do this listener feedback because today is Outlander Day. That's right. It's June 1st, 2016. Big, big deal for the Outlander community because not only is it Outlander Day, but we had some awesome news drop today. Huge, big news. Outlander Season 3 and 4 have been picked up by Stars, the network. So get ready, folks. You got two more years of mary and blake and, and two more years of an of annoying <laughs> of, a, of annoying analysis from us so i hope uh i hope that you are quite pleased with this news if only because you know mary and blake are here that, blake. That, that's it well it's you know i i wanted to start this off just because this this episode of faith is very difficult to talk about is very difficult to discuss it's sad and i'm glad that we can start this on a happy joyous foot because it's important that outlander can make us feel so much right and it's gonna get you for two more years guys (laughs) (laughs) two more seasons right i actually i I have a big theory about why uh only two more seasons have been announced uh, well, or at least why two scenes have been announced. Okay. And you can read that all actually on the Outlander cast blog. Ah. So I, I won't talk about it now because it's not necessarily pertinent to this discussion. But you can actually find it if you visit the Outlander cla- cast clan gathering. That's right. On the Facebook group. Blake has posted it there. It is getting a lot of chatter in that Outlander cast clan gathering. It's a Facebook lot of people. Group. 
are a lot of people see the reasoning. A lot of people really disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it, you know what? If I'm not messing, if I'm not pissing somebody off, then I'm not doing my job. <laughs> well, I, you know, I really want to encourage all of you to join that Facebook group because I'm yes. starting this new thing where. Um, I put up a picture where I say something about like early spoilers. Mm-hmm. So, for example, this week, people are going to be able to watch the next episode tomorrow, which is Thursday. They're going to actually be able to see this weekend's episode. So I'm going to post up in our clan gathering this kind of like picture and it says early spoiler chat. So if you want to discuss it and it's before Saturday at 9 p.m., you know, and you don't want to ruin it for other people, but you've watched it because I'm going to watch it at midnight tonight. I am. I'm going to, just because. You're I mean, such I a nerd. Well, and my kids have been up every That's two true. hours That's the past couple of nights. So I'm up anyway, and I'm really excited that Atlander gets to keep me company. So anyway, just know that I'm ma- we're really making things available. So if you are a non-book reader or if you're a book reader and you want to talk book spoilers, come on over. Outlander Cast Clan Gathering. And also, if you don't want to talk spoilers, the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering is a safe environment for you specifically because of what mary has done with the spoiler room section i'm you know i'm really getting the hang of uh working with you know non-spoilered people since i have to live with you right (laughs) (laughs) or just making that possible even on facebook and just one more quick reminder um that the podcast awards voting has begun Mm -hmm. and it's available for you to vote every single day until June 12th. So we really, really, really would love it. I mean, heck Outlander is now huge news. It's, it's coming out with seasons three and four. Let's show the TV and film community that we mean business. So you're just going to need to head on over to podcastawards.com. Click on us. We are the people's choice nominated and also television and film nominated. And if you just feel so inclined, there's this podcast called, Parent cast, which is also ours, in the kids and family, but it'd be Outlander cast in once again People's Choice TV and Film, and then you just put in your name and your email address, and just so you know, they verify it because they don't want like spam robots doing this. So when you put in your name and your email address, you will need to check your email. But make sure you put your real email in first and then check your email. And if it's not there, it may be in your spam folder. And they're not doing this to spam you. It's actually because they've had, I guess there's like these really, yeah, there's like (laughs) robots that can like autofill. I mean, Blake and I are not smart enough to do that. (laughs) Otherwise I would. (laughs) You you totally (laughs) would. I'm a total, I'm a total Slytherin. So, um, but yeah, people have, people have made it to like robots vote for them. So this is the way that the podcast awards really makes it true that a real human is voting. And you can vote every single day up right. to June 12th. And every vote really, really does. And I also wanted to say this, too. You know, it, a vote for us in the podcast awards, it's also a vote for the Outlander podcast. Mm-hmm. It's also a vote for the Scott and the Sassanac. It's also a vote for a dram of Outlander and, and all the other and even Ron, Ron Moore's podcast. It's a vote for all of the Outlander podcasts. Granted, team Outlander, we, hashtag. Granted, we were the ones that were nominated, but it, again, this brings the awareness to Outlander. So if you do know somebody who loves the Scott and the Sassanac way better than us, and deservedly so, um, then you know, encourage them to vote for Outlander uh, on the podcast awards. Uh, because again, it, it brings the awareness to the Outlander community as a whole and grows the show. So that's what's most important. Okay, my love. That I think that's it. Let's stop boring people. Let's get into uh, the whole reason why we're here and that we're, even though we're so delayed. You ready? You got it. All right, let's do it.
so we begin this episode today because I I, I want actually wanted to call out a uh, specific listener for how amazing she has done. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Marissa Bitmanis. Uh, she actually had an outlandish theory two weeks ago. Look at you. And I wanted to bring it up. She said, hey, Blake, I have a crazy outlandish theory for you. Again, this was written two weeks ago, uh, more than two weeks ago now. I think that the Comte Saint Germain, Saint Germain is going to get caught up in the receiving end of the punishment for the mystical arts. We know from the conversation between Jamie and Prince Charles in episode 205 that he has a damnable reputation for dwelling in circles of heretical nature, which the prince dismisses as rumors. Add this to the fact that in episode 204, he instantly recognizes the stone that Claire is wearing for its ability to change color when poison is near. He follows this with, it is said to be magic if one believes in such things. And in episode 203, Claire comes upon Master Raymond and the Comte speaking in which the comp says this must remain strictly between you and I. And since, Ma- since Master Raymond is widely believed to dabble in the dark arts, maybe the Comte was discussing a purchase related to something of a mystical nature as opposed mm. to the poison as previously believed. Being of noble birth, perhaps he is someone that the king would want to make an example of. If Claire were to somehow prove this, she could maybe use it to her advantage by either blackmailing the the Comte or trading up the information for Jamie's freedom. I'm a non-book reader, so this is all purely speculative. Well, Marissa, you know what? That is un- Freaking believable. Marissa called the entire scene, <laughs> called the whole thing. I mean, between the comp getting caught and then and then uh, Claire using it as leverage to get Jamie out. I she I, I she must have been a Rita because that is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Not even I could come up with that outlandish theory. I mean, congratulations. Great job, man. That Seriously. is that is fantastic. All right, my, my love on the website. What do we got? Sherry wrote in, said this episode was originally 90 minutes. That's nine zero, guys. Stars approved it, but Ron was concerned about viewing. So much sadness. So they actually edited it down. We were hoping to see the cut scenes in the DVD edition. Sherry's kilt rating was five plus. The Count was a distraction for the real villain who Jamie and Claire will see in Scotland. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the Count was not responsible for the attack, uh, attack on Claire and Mary, and I believe that he would have confessed like he did for trying to poison Claire. I wonder at one point if Claire was actually singing in that scene with Jamie. They kept going back to Jamie's face and his expression kept changing. It made me think that she was not only remembering singing to Faith, but actually saying out loud. What do you think? You know, um... I don't know. That's really an interesting thing. I I think she would have told him. I sang. I sang to her. Mm-hmm. I sang to her the song that I remembered. You know, I I I definitely tell him. I, I see her telling him. I don't know if she would have sung it to him because she was still so mad at him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she would have shared that little bit because I I almost think she wanted to just tell him. This is this is what I, I had to do. This is what you weren't here for. Yeah. Um, do you think she was singing to him? No, I don't. And specifically because of what you called out, which is that is something that's shared between she and Faith. Mm-hmm. And that is personal. That is even though that, you know, Jamie is her husband, that is Jamie's child. I, I, I see the argument why it, it could have happened, but it's such an emotionally charged time yeah. that I don't see her singing 
to Jamie. Although it would be nice and it would be cute. And and if it were to happen, I don't think that she's singing to Jamie, but more like she's singing for Faith and it just so happens to be in front of Jamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably my opinion on that one. And Kathy Van Wessip uh, on the website says, congratulations on your podcast award nominations. Thank you. I gave this episode six kilts because I had already given another episode five kilts. And this episode is the best one ever for its honest, sensitive, and courageous depiction of the pain and loss that Claire, Jamie, and Fergus feel. I know that you're going to talk about the Fergus Rape and Listener Feedback podcast after hearing Kendra's remarks. I wanted to comment. From the beginning, Ron Moore has wanted us to not only know what happens to our characters, but to feel what happens uh, to our characters. And the only way to effectively do that is for us to see what happened, no matter how painful, because by doing so, we better understand the effects that these traumas have on our characters. It was difficult for us to watch what happened at Wentworth, but we had not seen it. Had we not seen it, it, we would not really understand the destructive aftermath to Jamie's soul and his connection with Claire. What happened in the book was far worse, actually, if you can believe it. I, I applaud Ron and his team in their more restrained approach to both Mary and Fergus's rapes in season two. In both cases, the victims were completely clothed. The focus was on the helplessness, terror, and guilt each of the victims experienced and not on the act itself. What was happening was not explicitly shown. What stood out was how helpless Fergus was, unable to escape being overpowered and then feeling guilty for having gone into their room to steal something instead of listening to Jamie and staying put, then guilty also for crying out so that Jamie came to his rescue, which who became enraged and challenged BJR to a duel and the ramifications of all of that. Never occurred to Fergus, who was born and raised in a brothel, that anyone could care enough about him to actually put themselves at risk to save him and avenge him. Yes, these scenes are difficult to watch, but I think Ron has been very careful about how much he actually shows while still making us feel more than know the power of these events. <sighs> you know, I, we we did not talk about uh, BJR and Fergus and everything in, in, the, in the Faith episode. I, I didn't think it was appropriate to do so and in my love i don't think it, you thought it was appropriate to do so mm-hmm. at that time as well but and and we did promise that we would speak about it here in this episode and you know to be honest uh oh geez you know i understand the whole point of needing to see what happens uh, especially in the case of wentworth you needed to see that you needed to see what happened to jamie because you needed to understand how messed up he was what kind of an effect both physically and mentally and you know what i'm also going to say this too spiritually that it had on jamie if you didn't have that remember the unblinking eye of the camera oh yes remember that yes you wouldn't you wouldn't get it but you know i'm i'm concerned with outlander sometimes and i'm a little upset with outlander sometimes because rape has been used a lot Mm -hmm. on this show and it's been used a lot in different places uh claire was raped was almost raped nearly two or three times in the uh in the first season and then obviously we had everything with jenny and then clearly what happened with with um with um with jamie in season one and now we have everything going on with 
Mary and now Claire again, potentially actually again with the King. And then also now with Fergus, it's a, it's a lot going on. It is. It's a lot of rape. And a lot of the time it's just meant to move the plot along. Now what happened with Jamie obviously was part of the story and that made sense. And I think the early stuff with Claire was just to show how dangerous the time was, mm-hmm. and especially Blackjack Randall. But I feel like the rape with Fergus was nothing more than a vehicle to just get Jamie upset. And it's nothing more than a vehicle than to just get Jamie to challenge Blackjack Randall to a duel and then eventually get arrested, which then eventually, you know, all that stuff ends up happening afterwards. D- does that make sense to me? Just to you? Um, because they show the rape, they show st- Fergus struggling with it, mm-hmm. and you know, right soon thereafter, and but that's it. But that is that is it. Oh. Like, especially now, with the with the with the foreknowledge mm-hmm. of what happens in episode eight, it, it's just kind of forgotten. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. Once again, people it's, it's need therapists in the show. <laughs> It's just a lot of rape, and it's, it, it didn't seem like no. It's it's you just feel like as the sh- well. Here's here's one thing I can say. Maybe because this show is about Jamie and Claire, we focus on their big struggles personally, and because mm-hmm. it's not about Anne, and because it's not about Fergus, we don't delve into their emotional turmoil and how long it takes for them to heal right. maybe if, if that's what we can take out of it yeah we have seen a very emotional season with jamie and we're seeing a lot of emotions with claire for her own everything that she's been going through so that's what i'm gonna say what, what about this idea that you needed to see the rape of fergus do you think you needed to see it because uh, you didn't really explicitly see it like there wasn't you know, the kid wasn't naked. Neither was Blackjack Randall. Yeah, I think we. I I needed it because I needed to see that Blackjack didn't do this on purpose. Yeah, and then, well, see, now this that's a different conversation altogether. Because you're right. You you needed to see that Blackjack didn't do it on purpose. You needed to see uh, Jamie and I think get angry. Yeah. You needed to see what happened, but you, did you need to see the thrusting motions that that you saw? Um, did you need to go into explicit detail? Uh, no, no, I can't say explicit, but did yeah, you need to get into that? Did you need to linger on this? I wouldn't say that they lingered. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's like, it's It's gray. uncomfortable. It's, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a child being raped. No one ever wants to see that. I do not think they lingered. I do not think that um, it was overly gratuitous, like... You, you know, they didn't show um, naked parts of Tobias, whereas they had before. Right. So I, d- I was very uncomfortable. We were supposed to feel uncomfortable. I think we needed to be there to see how angry Jamie got and to also show that Black Jack Randall was completely surprised. He did not go after Fergus to, With the intent. Get, ups- to get Jamie. Right. Exactly. So we needed to be in that room. We needed to see that something I think in a, was happening. I think in a perfect world... My suggestion would have been Blackjack to show up, close the door and say, you're not what I ordered, but you'll do. And then like he kind of runs after him a little bit. Okay. And then you see it, it cuts to Jamie because you hear Fergus crying out. Jamie walks in, opens the door and you see Fergus like struggling. You're not necessarily seeing thrusting motions. You're not staying on this scene too much. But Jamie obviously sees what's happening 
gets angry and you're still accomplishing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, I think that probably would have been a little bit more tasteful uh, because here's my argument. You already know how evil and what Blackjack Randall is capable of doing because you already saw it with Jamie. You you already know that. And, and, it's, and again, it's not even necessarily about being evil with Blackjack Randall. It's simply a mistake. But regardless of whether or not it was a mistake, you still know what he's capable of doing. And that's why I don't think you need to see that much of what they had shown. I won't say that I was offended by it. I won't say uh, that it was a horrible mistake. I will say that it did make me uncomfortable, but that was the idea. And I do trust Ron. I do trust uh, his writing team to give us what we need to see. Uh, But I think there could have been a little less than than that um uh, charlotte marx uh writes in and says regarding the rape of fergus that's exactly right as blake often says show don't tell and the only way we can really understand the horror in jamie's horrific response is to see it that said as you noted it's not the it's not graphic in the sense that we actually see sex organs or naked flesh the emphasis is on fergus's face it reminded me a bit of psycho the movie People left the theater after that moving positive that they had seen Janet Lee stabbed, but they never did. They saw a knife. They saw her scream. They saw blood, but they never saw the knife strike flesh. It was their minds that saw it. Actually, a fun bit of trivia. Do you know that the blood that they used in the movie Psycho during the shower scene was not blood or anything at all? It was actually chocolate sauce. I knew that. Because it was black and white at the time, so they just used chocolate sauce to pose as the blood. Uh, Anyway, yes, I think people saw what they saw, and their minds probably showed them what they either wanted or didn't want to see. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. All right, Florida Rose writes in and says, I thoroughly enjoyed your podcast as well as Kendra's commentary. I absolutely loved faith the episode it was the first one that actually made me cry i sobbed the whole time mm. even when i watched it a second time and i couldn't figure out why but after listening to Ken- after listening to kendra it came to me i had problems with my first pregnancy i was put on bed rest and there was always a high risk i might lose the baby when my daughter was born i couldn't take her home for over a month wow, wow. while other mothers left the hospital with babies in their arms i left without my baby i was crushed I think the episode invoked all these emotions I had 21 years ago now. By the way, uh, her daughter is now a beautiful and healthy adult. This episode realistically depicted all of those emotions. I agree with Mary that the king wanted at least one death that day, if not two or three. Master Raymond was saving his own life and possibly Claire's by sacrificing the Comte. And on a final note, I'm a big fan of the books, but I can honestly say that I actually enjoyed this episode more than the chapters in the book it represented. I loved all the added scenes in the hospital that highlighted Claire's ordeal and the care that Mother Hildegard and Louise gave her, and I loved the final scenes with Jamie and Claire. Show Jamie and Claire seemed to have a deeper understanding of each other and truly forgave each other. They showed a maturity and depth that I felt was almost lacking in the book. I honestly believe that this Jamie and Claire have a stronger bond and could get through anything together. And I love that they visited Faith's grave. They didn't yes. do that in the book. And grieving parents would do that. Great job, Tony Graffia and company. 
Mary Anderson wrote in the scene where Jamie returns is the most poignant to me. Remember when Claire asked Mother Hildegard to get her husband for her and Mother tells her that there has been no word. Here is Claire in the most desperate moment of her life and Jamie doesn't show his face. She didn't know what had happened to him at that point. She is left to lie there with the loss of her child and the belief that Jamie has abandoned her. When she does see him again, in spite of her understanding of his reasons and her admission of her own guilt, she is so fragile. I don't think she could have stood to be touched. It was something akin to self-preservation. If he had touched her, she would have lost herself completely. And the only way Claire could face the situation was to be allowed to have her time and her space. I truly think Jamie understood this. Jamie's facial expression showed me that his heart was truly breaking for his wife's pain. He showed the depths of his love in his ability to accept and forgive. Not bad. Not bad. I, I agree a lot with 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 actually this entire uh with this entire note i think it's uh very prescient uh, of of uh mary of what she said uh on the emails uh this one comes from melissa in seattle and she said here's my first communication to you guys Hello. and uh, you know just for you Welcome to the family. Thank you very much. She said the good. Getting the real Claire back. Her admission at the end of that the duel was her fault. I needed that as I have a new French bulldog puppy named Claire. And I was worried I would have to start cursing her. Welcome back, Claire. The Blue Herons. I live right next to a Blue Heron nesting place, in fact. It's a no-drone zone to protect their sanctuary. How funny is that now that we have to have no-drone zones? Ew. I'm like afraid of drones, so I'm glad that they have no drone zones. (laughs) And she actually comments on that. She said it's Seattle tech nerdiness at its (laughs) finest. Who knows? There could be a no drone zone. Wow, that's cool. Guess that might become a thing. Either way, they were flying by blue herons, of course, not drones, when I was watching the episode, which was pretty cool. That is actually really cool. Pretty Kind of surreal. Uh, The bad. No Murtaugh. Where the heck was he? Well, if you remember, he was actually in Portugal uh, selling the wine. Or was it Spain? Yeah, it was Portugal. Yeah, it was Portugal. He was selling the selling the wine in Portugal, and um, and uh, he was over there doing that. So uh, he probably wasn't going to be there. Uh, number uh, the other bad was why did Claire think of England and not Scotland during the King's sect? Well, as we described, that was a saying uh, that was famous in England uh, in the in its historical context. That's why she said that. And number three bad was Jamie's beard. I get the time passage, but that seemed truly fake and a little creepy. Totally agree. And like I said, it was almost as bad, if not worse, than, than the Jack beard in Lost. We have to go back, Kate. But that's not a real bad. Feeling bad for Mary and all the mothers during the scene of losing the baby, both in the beginning and the end of the episode. I am not a mother, just an aunt, but I cannot imagine. Same for Blake and Jamie and all the fathers on the other side. That's not a real bad, but an empathy bad, truly. So well acted. I cried and I never cry. The great, of course, was every single set, costume and set detail, and of course, the music as always. Even the chalice they drank the poison from was magnificent. Oh, and I need to mention the planetarium death showroom. Holy smokes, off the charts. The king's outfit was beautiful, way outpowered his four-thrust intercourse (laughs) with Claire, but I guess she lucked out on that one. Loved the blue imagery with Claire's clothes, given Master Raymond's observation that she was colored in blue and louise of course as always lastly watching jamie trudging up the stairs after the bastille totally reminded me of paul bettany in a knight's tale 
to trudge the slow, weary, depressing, yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in life except the impulse to simply soldier on. Brilliant with a brilliant outcome after the talk and reconnection with Claire. Her kilt score, uh, and I'm, they, they matched the girls uh, from Norway for last week, which was 5 billion kilts for 207. So happy to have Jamie and Claire back as a team. Even if the forward scenes look ominous, at least they are back fighting together and finally getting back to Scotland. And that is that melissa from seattle thank you so much thank you. for writing in maribel from california said as i think of all the emotional turmoil we as an audience went through in faith there was a part that stood out as incongruent with the rest of the episode i could not figure out why claire would take that orange before leaving the king i mean are you that hungry right now <laughs> are oranges that rare in paris that you can't get one somewhere else and then on my second viewing, I caught glimpses of the orange in the last scene with Jamie. You almost have to be looking for the orange. It comes up in the background in a table behind Jamie, out of focus. So obviously, she didn't eat it. This made me rethink the scene with the king. It made me think that Claire was much more frightened of the king than she let on. He had offered the orange, and she didn't want to risk insulting him by not taking the orange. Rethinking the scene, I felt much better about Claire's character because the act of taking the orange felt uncharacteristically selfish in a moment when everything else she's done has been so selfless. Anyway, love to hear your thoughts. So, Maribel, what an awesome, awesome, uh, uh, different way of understanding the orange. Right, right. I, I, and it's the funny thing is, is that Claire couldn't bear to eat it at all. It was just more like... Like as we had talked about on the last on the on the episode for Faith, it was she took it just for the sake of taking it. Mm-hmm. Like f you, this is mine. I'm taking it. But knowing that she didn't consume it or even throw it away or whatever, that she wanted to keep it there, it was a reminder of what happened. Uh, I think that's that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. Uh, Christine uh, Romeo, and she did com- correct me uh, last time. It was not Romeo. It is Romeo. Hmm. Uh, thank you, Christine, for doing that. She said, I'm sorry, but I just don't think this episode lends itself to a GBG. It was so emotionally powerful that I can find a good, bad, or great. And rather than a kilt rating, I prefer a tissue rating. I went through four tissues on my first viewing, two tissues on my second viewing, and another today listening to the Ron Moore and Tony Graffia podcast. I cried so hard with the first viewing that I missed major plot points. It was probably the third viewing before I actually saw it all and realized that Claire and Jamie never actually touched until the final seconds before the credits. My non-book reader husband and I talked about how everyone took blame for the loss of faith, Fergus, Jamie, and finally Claire. And as my husband has this amazing gift for understanding people and relationships, he said what is so admirable about Claire and Jamie's relationship is that there is no tit for tat with them. They do not try to punish each other when they are hurt. They find a way to forgive and love each other again. And with that all said, it absolutely broke my heart that Claire and Jamie faced this alone, both when I read the book and watched Faith. Of course, here comes another tissue. If all of the awards don't go to Katrina Balfe, something is wrong in Hollywood. <sighs> I, I, <laughs> I got to tell you, she 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 would deserve it. Uh, yes. th- this is one of those episodes where you can you can put it in there, and mm-hmm. the, she commanded the screen. I, I think for the agree. first time in Outlander, she commanded. She, her presence was a c- commanding one. Yes. And, she, yes. and this is when, this may be her coming out party. 
Laura wrote in and said that her good was, I liked the way this episode felt like a goodbye to the new characters we met this season. I was touched by the way Mother Hildegard and Master Raymond cared for Claire in their own ways. Louise's concern and compassion for her seemed so genuine. It felt like Louise really grew up as a result of her friendship with Claire and sharing this experience with her. And Suzette and Murtaugh, their affection for Claire and real pain at her loss was heartbreaking. Their their brief, almost wordless scene welcoming Claire home was when the tears started for me. At the beginning of this season, I resented all of these people for not being Mackenzie's, but they've brought life, though, through some fantastic acting. As happy as I am to be returning to Scotland, I'm going to miss them. Her bad was, yes, the beard was so fake-looking as to be distracting, but what truly disappointed me was the way they chose to portray Fergus's assault. Leading up to the episode, I had hoped that they would have adapted this part of the book. I knew that Fergus's rape by BJR was the tipping point for Jamie and what would drive him to break his promise to Claire, but I thought it could still serve the purpose that if it was an only an attempted rape... If Jamie had managed to get to Fergus before the actual rape occurred, he still would have been blinded by fury, and we still would have understood his passionate decision to duel BJR. Within the context of the show, with fewer pages to tell the same story as in the books, I don't think a third rape in the past eight episodes was necessary. However, I know next to nothing about making a TV show, so I will trust that everyone involved gave the sequence a lot of thought and did what they thought was best. Reading that the young actor who plays Fergus and his parents were all comfortable with it helped me feel a bit better about it, even if I wish they had done it differently. And her great was obviously Katrina Bow's performance. Here was utterly, I don't even have the word for it. I'm tearing up just thinking about her where's my baby scene and singing to Precious Little Faith. But I have to give it up for Roman Beruse. Is that how you say it? Uh, Beruse, Beruse, something French. (laughs) (laughs) In a short time, he has really endeared himself and Fergus to me. Well, last week he was adorably impish, but this week he truly impressed me with his acting. The way he doesn't take his eyes off of Claire as they're walking from the carriage into Jared's apartment and his heartbreaking little lip quiver as he confessed what happened with BJR just made me want to gather him up and protect him forever. I never felt such affection for Fergus in the books, but this kid has made me love him. I hope he isn't one of the characters we have to leave behind in Paris. Well, luckily we don't. And luckily, this kid actor did a good job because I hate kid actors. I know, I know. hate them. And, but I got to tell you, I really like Fergus. I really do. And I love what this kid has done to bring Fergus. It's playful. Mm-hmm. He's vulnerable. He's loving. He's loyal. You can see all of that in how he portrays mm-hmm. uh, uh, Fergus. And Roman Baraz, Baruz, however you say your name, you, you've done a fantastic job. Really, really, really good stuff. Uh, From Raquel, she says, Jamie had to leave Scotland. He was a criminal and wanted everywhere. Because there were Frasers in France, that was the obvious choice. And because of Claire's knowledge of the uprising and the tragic ending, it made sense to see if they could keep it from starting. But the best laid schemes of mice and men gave aft agely. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Sorry. Also, just from watching the show, you don't get the feeling that Claire was having a troubled pregnancy, but in the book, her morning sickness went on for way too long. She was not feeling well often and made to stay in bed toward the end, which she ignored 
and when, of course, when she heard about the duel. Also, Ron has said often since the end of part one of season one, the story was no longer Claire's point of view, but Jamie and Claire's story. I think it would have been reasonable to see his anguish and suffering during the time he spent in the Bastille, not knowing if Claire and the baby were alive, how guilty he must have felt. Another point goes to Master Raymond and the Compte. Knowing that the Raymond was a trickster and knowing one of them had to die, Master Raymond saying he is not a killer, but are we sure the Compte is dead? Could Master Raymond have used something like the make-believe poison to make it appear that the Compte was dead? Didn't the Compte also dabble in the black arts? I'm not sure if it was Ron's podcast or something from Diana, but there was a, there was a line that changed. Rather than Claire saying, let's go back to Scotland, it was the bone of my bone phrase, which to me would have been more heartbreaking. I think this is my final point, but going back to Scotland is not so great. I was hoping there would be a breather episode, but from the coming attractions, it looks like there's no rest for the weary and they are thrown into the fire. Of course, I know all the cliches, but this will be the saddest part for me. The return to Scotland, unless they start filming Voyager like yesterday. This was a wonderful episode. Kate tore out my heart. My kilts are 4.7 only because of the lack of Jamie's perspective. You see, I don't know if I want more of Jamie's perspective. I was happy to stay with Claire. I was happy to stay with Claire because the anguish that she went through is what is most pertinent. You can infer what happened to Jamie. You can infer that he was sad. You can infer that he was depressed and upset. But you need to see Claire. Mm -hmm. You need to see the interactions. You need to see her bowing to Magnus. You need all of that. You, you can't, I'm not saying waste, but you can't spend time with Jamie and then fracture that that storytelling from Claire. Take it away. Take it away from her because you need all of it. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so too. Denise wrote in and said, first of all, this episode of your podcast and all the feedback online is exactly why I love this community. I had a certain opinion of the opening. I didn't really care for it, but after hearing others' opinions, I definitely don't dislike it. It's kind of cool to look into the future. When referencing the voiceover, all I can think of when I hear is Seagram's VO whiskey. <laughs> we call it VO. My grandsire liked to drink it. So when Mary says, I think this episode had a good amount of VO, I choked on my coffee. Not enough VO, if that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I know you said you would go over more of the story at another time, and I'm hoping that it's with the listener feedback episode. But now, Blake, you can see how everyone knew about the duel. Jamie challenged publicly at the brothel. I bet people were jumping over each other to get into the woods. Why didn't they have chocolate lips after drinking the chocolate? Oh, yeah, good point. That's that's actually really a salient thought. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree with you on how they made Claire look the part of the white witch. I swear, even her eyebrows are missing at one point. It reminded me of Tilda Swinton in the Chronicles of Narnia. I can't look at Tilda Swinton the same anymore. <laughs> Like, I just, I can't. I can't just look at Claire in that scene because of the extension ponytail. <laughs> and were you just waiting for her to say to the Compte, which am I? Which, that would have been such a cool callback to the confrontation with BJR and Wentworth. Yeah, and that, that would have been really cool. At last, and last, uh, Denise writes, I'm wondering if all of the cohesiveness of this season is due to the fact that we have had one director. 
so far. Do you think that it might be a good idea for them to be more consistent with that? So what do you think, Blake? You're big into who directs which episode. Yes, I am big into this. And they actually have had more than one director. Um, they, they they had Metin Hussein, who has done the majority of them. Uh, and then they also had, uh, oh, I forget the other guy's name, but he was there for two episodes as well. Um, but Denise, you're you're in the right line here because for the most part, the, the direction was, I think, unified uh for the most part uh the tone was unified for the most part um and i'm always always for having one person direct because that way you have one vision you have one method and the perfect example of this was true detective i'm not sure if any of you guys have watched true detective um on hbo but season one was the entirety of it was directed by a guy named carrie fukunaga and it was excellent. Eight episodes of just pure bliss because he directed the whole thing. It was just one through line. And because of that, I'm always for just one director. And I wish that they could do that. The only problem with that for a show like Outlander uh, is that there are 13 episodes. You don't see that quite often, someone doing 13 episodes, just one person. The only person that I know it is going to end up doing that is the guy who created um, Mr. Robot. He's going to direct every single episode and Mr. Robot has 10 episodes. Um, So that's that. So check that out too. But I, I love the idea of just one director for the whole thing. Bob Loveless on Facebook said, I love Blake's outlandish theory about the voiceovers, otherwise known as the VOs. <laughs> right or wrong, that is the way I would think of them in the future episodes. So thank you, Blake, for that. You're welcome. And of course, that was, tell everyone again, your outlandish theory. That, yes, the the much maligned voiceovers um, are there, and we and especially in Faith, we got a lot of them. But I think that they are there, and they are consistently there, because this the, v- the voiceovers are actually Claire telling the story of Outlander, and I think it's to her daughter that we ended up seeing in the flash forward uh, of Faith, uh, probably when she's much older. Uh, so I think the final scene of season two will be a voiceover, mm-hmm. but the voiceover will be going, and as it cuts, it, as it like fades to black, the voiceover will continue, but then another picture will come up, it will fade in, and it will be Claire in the middle of the voiceover speaking and speaking to her daughter. Look at you, outlandish theory guy. Well, That's what I think. Bob loved that idea, so he wanted to thank you. And further reflections on the Faith episode, Bob says that he totally agrees with Blake that this was the best episode of the entire series. The acting, the music, the direction, the cinematography, the set designs. In fact, Bob would go a step further, Blake, and say that of the dozen or so television series that he watches, uh, that this was the finest episode of any that he has seen this season, period. Wow. He also agrees that Katrina delivered an Emmy-deserving performance. She was outstanding. Bob thinks this entire episode was of Emmy quality. Congratulations to the entire cast and crew. And personally, Bob thinks that some have overreacted to the Fergus rape scene. He did not think that it was, it didn't bother him that much. He was too wrapped up in the emotions of the scene. Pamela Goss Oldham on Facebook said that she loved Paris. It's all part, uh, it's all part of the whole. And if you liken the Outlander story to a human body, removing Paris would be like cutting off a hand. You could live without it. But you definitely miss it. I think this is a this is a, a good conversation. 
and one that we touched upon last, uh, well, Faith, the episode uh, that we did. You know, I'm not sure how much France was worth telling. Um, because the people that came out of it, it was just like a one-off for the most part. Except for, I think, I, I think Master Amon's coming back, and obviously we kept Fergus, which is fine. But everything that resulted in Paris, everything that came out of it, the whole point of going to Paris, yes, was to escape Scotland. But you don't, you don't have to go to Paris. You don't have to. You don't have to leave Scotland. You can hide in Scotland. Um, but regardless of that, everything that came out of it, the whole point was to change history, and they fell into this pattern. I feel like of making plans, the plans falling apart, and then making more plans, and those plans falling apart, and then something happens. And then it happened again, and then it happened like it. It like it was the the smallpox, and then it was reading the mail, and then it was um, f- uh, having the dinner, and that falling apart, and then it was uh, dealing uh, with the Bonnie Prince, and then faking the wine, and then that fell apart, and then then it was the Compte and getting him uh, there, and that fell apart, and I mean what are we doing and nothing really happened until we got to faith until we got to the whole point that claire was pregnant and she lost her baby was it as a result of her own doing was it because her placenta was messed up i don't know but at least that was something that actually happened do you see my point with this yeah you know and what are we are we just spinning wheels like all the people that we spent time with all the people that were introduced they're now just gone they have no ultimate point it's chapters of your life blake people yeah. could say that there was no point that you went to college for example because no, you're no, not no, doing no, listen no, that's different. hold up hold up okay 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 sorry that was a chapter in your life you're not doing anything with your your degree in history, mm-hmm. okay? You're not chatting with those people that frequently, are you? Like sure. your professors and, I mean, you chat with some, but you met hundreds and hundreds of people there. Right. But okay. first of all, this is, this is real life, and we're talking <laughs> about a television show. So what? No, but you see, what you have to do, the whole point is, is that you have to have a beginning, middle, and end. They, they dedicated... Half of the season to France. Half. Diana dedicated. I. I well, yeah, but that's no excuse. That is not an excuse because, as we all know, Ron Moore. What had, could they have cut though, Blake? Seriously, they could have cut out all of it. They really could have. No, they couldn't just be like, "Oop, they went." We're not to doing France. France. I know. Literally, it, like show Claire and Jamie on a boat, land, smallpox, magic. Bye. <laughs> They like dual by okay. How about this? They had to go to France for the Black Jack Randall um, duel. But you didn't need to go to France to do that. Well, yes, they did. No, but you didn't. That's where they would have to meet. No, they could have. They could have done that elsewhere. What I'm saying is, he had y- to leave. France. You spent a lot of time. I know. I know you had to leave Scotland. I, I I'm I'm okay with that. Even though I I don't I, I don't fully agree with it. What I'm trying to say is everything that you spent in France, all the time meeting the people, all the effort getting to know everybody, all the effort trying to uh, understand the motivations, uh, learning about Mary Hawkins, learning about 
um, you know, all the potions and everything, Ladon Blanche, all that stuff. It just, it just, it happened. It was stuff. It was things happening among other things. You know what I mean? It just, it just happened. And now it's gone. And now we're moving on. We're finally back to Scotland where I think the story is going to finally pick up and actually do something. Um, it was just, it's, it, it's just kind of a, an act of futility in my opinion. Angie Coots wrote it on Facebook in regard to Blake's and fr- frankly, several other reviewers and recappers and podcasts opinion that we've spent too much fr- time in France and that it was a waste Oh, Angie's, Angie's after you, Blake. Oh, good. For me, the futility and frustration experienced while in France is the point of that entire plot line. Booyah. I'm, gonna, I'm adding that, that sound effect for you, Angie. <laughs> Booyah. My belief is that Claire has always gone back in time, time being circular or a loop, and that the presence of the Frasers in France attempting to change the future has in fact ensured the future happens exactly the way Claire remembers from history. I can't really elaborate too much because it would spoil the rest of the season, but I believe France was absolutely necessary. The Frasers had to go somewhere since staying in Scotland after Jamie's time in Wentworth was not an option. Now, if you don't ascribe to the idea that time is a loop, you can also take that time in France to be a direct comment on the futility of trying to change the future, meaning that the future is set no matter what you do or change, what sacrifices you make, fate will out and find a way to make sure things happened in a precedented path. The only... Re- oh, what? Oh, predestined. I'm, that was, I'm tired and I had a glass of wine. I know, I know. I was just, I was just, Thank I'm you. just happy to get the I, bell. You know, it like actually my eyes told me that was what really it said. Like when you did the ding, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what are you talking about? Anyway, Angie said, fate will out and find a way to make sure things ha- happened in a precedented path. <laughs> what did I do? What? what did I do? In a precedented path? <laughs> Predestined. Why do I keep saying that? a really weird word? Why? What am I doing? What am I doing? I don't know, but that was just, that was brilliant. That couldn't have happened any better. I couldn't even have scripted that. I need sleep. <laughs> Nobody sleeps in my house. My babies wake up two hours, oh. every two hours. Anyway, let me try this a third time. Fate will out. <laughs> Please say it. To make sure things happened in a predestined path. (laughs) There we go. The only reason the Frasers, (laughs) oh my goodness, can even consider going back to Scotland now is because of the events that have happened in France. Without King Louis' intervention, Jamie would still be in exile and needing to avoid Scotland, England, or any part of the British Empire where he is wanted condemned men. Hey, listen, okay, he, all right, now that that is an argument there. Hey, you know you, what? You need France in order to get the pardon. Okay, I'm willing to go there. Perfect. But you don't have to spend half of your season there. You had to because what could you have cut out? L- listen, like, like the, you could if this if this is a, if this is a exercise in futility, fine. Okay. But that is not compelling television. Ugh. It's just not. And it, it That is your opinion. I had some fun. I mean, I had fun too. Again, like I, feel I said like last time, I was time, in Vegas. Faith was my favorite oh. episode so far. It was yes, and that was in France. So I'm willing to see, you know, some usefulness out of France. But it didn't do the show any favors, and they they need 
I'm glad that they're back now. Kim Brothers Downing on Facebook says, forgive me if this is a little long, but did anyone else think that the scene in episode 207 with Jamie and Claire mirrored the scene in 201 with Frank and Claire? Claire waiting in the doorway at the top of the stairs for Jamie like she did when she was ready to talk to Frank. Claire recounts the details to Jamie like she did with Frank. Both men listen to her without interrupting. Jamie forgives Claire, but Frank accepts what she says and wants to move on, and then Claire has that, but wait, there's more moment. To Jamie, it was, I slept with the king. To Frank, it was, I'm pregnant. And their reactions. Jamie tells Claire that Frank is her family despite all of the bad things that happened because of Claire trying to save Frank. He accepts that Frank was important to her. Frank, on the other hand, wants to wipe Jamie out of existence, tells her don't look for him, don't say his name, and we're raising his child as mine. And we're not telling her about her father as long as I'm alive, by the way. What's sad is that Claire really doesn't get to grieve for Jamie like she did for Faith. Everyone thinks that she should just forget Jamie and move on because she's got Frank after all. But we would think it was awful if anyone told Claire to move on after Faith since she was young and could have another baby. One of the things, since it's always noted about Claire in the rings, I did notice in the beginning when they show Claire in the library with her daughter that they made sure to show Claire is still wearing Jamie's ring. Excellent, excellent, mm-hmm. excellent. Great. I mean, fantastic job, Kim. I love that whole thing. Kyle Ann Leg- Legemont. Sure, why not? I like that. I like that way. I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) Said on Facebook, I don't believe the Fergus rape storyline was purely plot driven because it did evolve the characters. As a non book reader, after Untimely Resurrections, I honestly started to forget how bad BJR really was. I had been so focused on trying to imagine how he was going to manage to father a child of Mary and wondering whether he would care for her or her child. I also have heard many people say that he raped Jamie because he was trying to break him and because of all the times he had tried and failed to do so. Also, we have not seen BJR rape anyone other than Jamie and attempt to with Claire and Jenny. These were all of my reasons that I felt that it was necessary to show this. It reminds you, tells you that this guy is not just interested in one particular man or family. He is a rapist, period. He is a monster. He cares not if you are a man, woman, adult, or child. It brought the memory of his pure evilness back to the forefront after seeing him brought down a few pegs a few episodes ago. And not just for us as the viewer, but for Jamie as well. He has been distracted by politics and trying to keep his promise. But this reminder and violation was too much to bear. It seemed 100% necessary for me to see this, rather than a closing door in a hanging jacket. Mm, I really like the idea that not only did you have to see it, but Jamie had to see it. Mm-hmm. He has been so preoccupied with everything else that it's almost, uh, it, it's almost gets swept under the rug, kind of, that mm-hmm. Blackjack has, has done this, not only to him, but now he's doing it to a, to a child. I really like that. Judy Kate said, absolutely. Ron and Tony Graffia said in the podcast that they felt they had to show the scene to remind and enrage the viewers about how evil Blackjack Randall was so that they would understand why Jamie broke his promise to Claire. I didn't think the scene was too graphic. And by the way, they got the okay from Roman's uh, mother, who obviously Roman is is the actor. Uh, Yes. 
Uh, yes, I would agree. <laughs> Claire A. McCarthy on Facebook said, I, I can't stop obsessing over episode 207. Here are a couple more thoughts. Did anyone else notice that when Claire mentioned Lay Disciples, the the, the game? Lay Disciple. Lay Dis- I can't, listen, I can't do French. I already told you. <laughs> you do it. I want Lay Disciple. There you go. I got Thank you. you. Like Lay, Lay Miserables. I, I know. I always miss that up too. <laughs> God, I'm from Rhode Island. <laughs> that the king and Monsieur Ferez exchanged a meaningful glance. Oh, Did good you one. notice that? Uh, uh, good one. I'm reading a lot more into the opening scene in 1954 now that I've watched the episode a few times. For one, both Claire and her daughter are wearing blue. I haven't read the books, but from this show and commentary on it, I understand the significance of the color. I'm pretty sure Blake commented in the podcast that since Master Raymond also has a blue aura, that perhaps this means that he too is a time traveler. I totally think so about that too, says Claire. So perhaps Claire's daughter will be able to travel oh, through the stones yes. as well. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that is freaking awesome. Great job, Claire. Claire also says, also in the last shot of that scene, Claire's right hand lingers over the picture of the heron, and we see that she is still wearing Jamie's ring. I realized after watching the episode a couple of times that Jamie has two children he has lost and has never even seen. Plus, he lost Claire. Wow. Oh my god. Yikes. That is that that will that will set your mind straight right there. Uh, All right, Margaret Ashley Crobb says on, on, on Facebook, I listened to your Faith podcast today. Thank you for listening. And another sucker punch of emotion. It just won't stop with this episode. About the opening of Faith, I really liked how it showed Claire and what is obviously Jamie's daughter in the present. Today I got to thinking about the pain of losing Faith. And what that last section of the show showed about the strength of Jamie and Claire's love and how they are now bonded together in an even more powerful way. So I went back and watched Through the Looking Glass darkly today. It's like I've never seen it before. Oh, the pain Claire feels at returning to the present and to Frank of leaving Jamie, of learning about Culloden. I actually cried Mm. and I didn't the first time, but Faith made me curious about her return this show is amazing i really like that idea going back and considering what we know now to see claire's disgust almost at being back and and disappointment in being back Uh. and how hurt she is because of what we have seen yes that that gives a whole new meaning to the beginning I really like that. On Instagram, eBoogieLove, I still always love that (laughs) name, said the look on Claire's face when she saw the stone turn black, it was so telling that although she had deep-rooted hate for the Compte, she did not want to kill him. Mm-hmm. Taft, Taft Jenny says, Stanley Weber had an amazing and textured performance. One moment he was calm with seething underlying anger and then exploding malice, then tears and didn't he have the best death scene ever? Oh my God, yes. Yes, you know, and, and Jenny, uh, I was actually thinking about this scene. And it, as much as I love this episode, I, I come to realize that this scene, it kind of just, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like this episode obviously was very good. It's my favorite one yet. It was not perfect. And I think this is what made it suffer a little bit. Uh, the whole act with Claire, the whole uh, thing with the Compte and, and Master Raymond, it just kind of felt forced. It, it felt like it was thrown in there. 
uh, and it, it felt like it was like a mechanics of the plot to finally wrap up the comp to plot and wrap up the plot with Master Raymond uh, and have Claire be a part of it. Um, and that's why it was it was hard for me. It is hard for me to look back on it now with a little bit more affection than I want to. Um, but yeah, but I still really liked it. I still love the job that Stanley Weber did. As much as the like I said, the comp was a mustache twirler. Guy was amazing. He was. He was really good. I'd love to see him in something else. Yes. Can't wait to follow him. I think he'd be a good Bond villain. Ooh. I think that'd be really good. Yes. I Nice. Nice. I like that idea. Damn straight. Imagine Tom Hiddleston as the new Bond and, and this Stanley Weber as the new Bond villain. That would be freaking badass. Well, you know what's going to be badass? What's that? This week's Tweet of the Week. <laughs> This week's Tweet of the Week comes from Akaaki157. She said, In my opinion, the reason why Katrina Balfe is a great actress is because she is not too seasoned. And her emotions are very raw and very authentic. Mm -hmm. My love, do you subscribe to this uh, idea? Hey, you know, sometimes the most amazing people who do what they do Never did it really that often before. Yeah. I, you know what, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, AKA, AKI, whatever your name is. Aki. Oh, sorry, I'm like reading. I can't read. I'm reading this person's like username. Yeah. What is? Anyway, Akiaga. There well, you go. Well, congratulations on winning this week's tweet. Like, I really like what you said there. It yes. made a lot of sense to me. It's almost like she didn't have time to think about it. She just did it, and that's why she rocked at it. You know, and that's why I remember saying I was surprised that she was capable of doing such an amazing job uh, in this episode. And and Aki is saying because she isn't really that seasoned and she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And I, I really like that. So Aki, congratulations for being this week's Tweet of the Week. As a result, you have won a $20 gift card from the Tag Your It Etsy shop. I will set you up with Don, the owner of the Tag Your It Etsy shop via Twitter. And you guys can hash it out. She is amazing. Dawn is. So uh, she'll take care of you. My love, are you ready to get into the voicemails? We only have two for this episode, which I was surprised about. I think it was a hard episode to talk about. That's why. That's Everyone right. would have just been crying. I know. I know. All right. What is the first one? Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Vicki from North Carolina. Here's my good, bad, and great for this week. My good was all the smallest nuances that an Outlander fan gets to relish. The fact that there are no small supporting actors in this production. They all played their parts superbly. Most notably in this episode, the staff, when Claire arrives back home. That moment when Magnus had me had me reaching for tissues and showing that Claire was gradually realizing how much her actions had affected so many other people. The bad for me, well, there really wasn't any. My bad could only be the evil St. Germain finally realizing what peril he was in. Every fiber of Stanley Weber's performance was showing the realization that he had reached the end of the line. He did a masterful job. And keeping with the bad guys, I love the little hand flutters that King Louis always made. <laughs> the self-centered nature of a king was perfectly conveyed in his performance, and his little nod of, okay, you can leave now, at the end, was almost comical. When Claire paused, standing there with her orange, I imagined that she was pondering whether this meeting with a high-level fop would get any better results than her visit to Sandringham had, and the great Cat's performance. 
of the stages of her grief was magnificent. There is no justice if she doesn't get an Emmy. And I was brought to tears several times. I just can't say enough about the excellence of her acting, as well as all those who supported her in this episode. It was fantastic. Thank you, Vicky, for calling in. I will say that she at least deserves a nomination for an Emmy. Uh, whether or not she wins, I don't know. Uh, that's it, it's all politics, really, for the Emmys. Uh, but she at least deserves a nomination. If she doesn't get one, I will be. To be honest, I'll be dis- I'll be disappointed. All right, okay. you ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. Hi, Mary Blake. Blake. This is Keisha calling from Odenton, Maryland. Um, just wanted to comment on episode two hundred seven. Um, Faith. Very heavy. I have listened to everybody's podcast, even Ron and Tony Garcia's. Very heavy. I mean, when Ron is crying, you gotta cry. But as a book reader, I know it was coming. Um, I'm glad I got to see the whole situation with the King and the Comte and Master Raymond on TV because in the book, it was very convoluted. It was hard to follow. I kind of skipped over it. It took, like, my second, third read to kind of get through that section of the book. Um, Katrina did a stellar job, stellar job at portraying um, um, Claire's despair and trauma and loss. Very good. I just wanted to, here's your funny, but it's a very heavy episode. Um, My husband is not a book reader. Or a TV watcher. He just happened to be in the room um, when the cult was about to um, drink the poison. And his comments were, F you, F you, and F you. <laughs> so thanks so much. Loved your podcast. Can't wait till this um, the new episode this weekend. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you, Keisha, for calling in. I really appreciate it. I love your husband's reaction. F you, F you, and F you, I'm out. Uh, really like that. And uh, yeah, Katrina was amazing. That that just, there. if there's one thing we can take out of this episode is that Katrina just freaking nailed it. Uh, and that also, I think we can take out of this episode that France, I think for the TV watchers and the book readers, uh, like from what I've heard, it was frustrating for the book readers. Uh, for you, my darling, was it frustrating for you while reading France uh, in in uh, Dragonfly and Amber? Yeah. It was? Yes. That, that's my interpretation from a lot of people, that it just, it never worked for people. It never worked. Like, well, for some people. You need to, you need, a lot of people yes, okay. did enjoy being in France. I, too, had a tough time in France. Yep. I was, I was ready to get back to Scotland. So that's how I frequently felt when I watched it, mm-hmm. even though it was so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, my love, are you ready to close out the uh, this uh, Emmy Award winning show? Yes. Okay, let's do it. as we close out this show we wanted to remind you this Caldecott winning amazing Emmy Oscar winning uh, Nobel Peace Prize I get the Nobel coming in actually very soon um, we wanted to remind you to vote for us uh, for, a, for an actual award that we could possibly win which is um, the podcast award and the people's choice in uh, the TV and film categories 
I'm hoping that you get a chance to vote for us. That way I can actually have an award that I can take a picture of and show you and then prove that we are a winning, award-winning show. Uh, that would be amazing. Uh, and I would be really pleased if you could go ahead and I'll actually include the... Um, the link to uh, the podcast awards in our URL of the show notes for this episode as well. And I think every episode up, up until June 12th, is, which is when the voting concludes. My love, now that we, 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 we already seen the next episode after this. So how do you want to handle this, this portion of the program? We're supposed to say what we're looking forward to most. Well, I'm just looking forward to spending... Tonight at midnight with all of you other <laughs> crazy Outlander fans out there like me who are going to be watching on the Stars app. Nerd. Whatevs. Join me, guys. Oh Join my God. me. City's going to be crying up a storm. She won't. She actually loves Outlander. She does. And she you know does. what Reese did today? What's that? He, um, Reese, otherwise known as Godzilla, he didn't nap today. And the whole rule in our household is no nap, no TV. And so we were, he was really upset that he wasn't watching TV and he goes, Mama, watch Outlander? <laughs> it's like he thought, oh, I know what I can ask for and Mom will want to watch it because uh, he gets to listen to the soundtrack a lot. So he knows it's it has something to do with TV. You know, it's funny because he does this thing where he always says to me, Daddy, watch Star Wars? Because he knows, he knows I will watch Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, he, he says to me, Mama watch Harry Potter watch (laughs) Outlander and I'm like you don't watch either of those like why what are you even asking (laughs) anyway I'm gonna be watching Outlander without my son at midnight tonight that's what I'm looking forward to that's what I'm hoping all right everyone make sure to uh, check out the Outlander cast blog and be ready because Ashley is going to be live blogging as it airs so it can be a two screen experience guys I'm so excited please 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 take the time I know that um, going online and and voting at podcastawards.com might take a moment of your time you can do it on your cell phone you can do it on your laptop you can do it on your iPad you can do it once a day once a day thank you every day please 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 so until next time ladies and gents I'm Mary Larson my name's Blake and you have been listening to a nominated award winning a nominated <laughs> award Nobel Peace Prize award an, an award nominated we, we are at least we are nominated we yes. are podcast award nominated there we go for people's choice in TV and film and kids and family and kids and family too that's right parent cast so throw us a bone there will you you've been listening to Outlander cast <laughs> a nominated award winning podcast <laughs> we really act like it today I know I know jeez we're totally professional I'll tell you that yeah a week late with this episode <laughs> people totally are gonna vote for us now <laughs> they're like suckers what are you talking about gonna vote for you can't even get your episode straight will you jesus unprofessional all right guys thank you so much much love Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.